generations of superheroes, powers, and all sorts of undefined chaos that's consumed our realm. We are the watchers of the multiverse. Georges, throw your your guide. What is going on, guys? Jared here. Gabe and Anthony. Welcome to the Watchers of the Multiverse. Today we are reading Donny Cates' Venom, written by no other than Gabe's personal favorite, Donny Cates. Love you, Donny. And then issues one through six were penciled by Ryan Stegman, and then seven through sixteen penciled by Eben Eben Coelho. And then issues thirteen to fifteen were written by uh, Colin Bunn during the uh, War of the Realms uh, tie-in. I like how many artists they had going into this, but the through majority of the story, it's stuck with the same writer. And I feel you need to, with especially with stories like this, you need to keep the same writer, the same kind of tempo. Well, it wasn't even the same writer, though. There were chunks of it that weren't Donnie. Well, there well, were there were like two issues. issues. There yeah. were like two, three issues, but of a sixteen-issue series, major the. Well, that's only that's even only the first bit. So Donnie's whole story runs thirty-five issues, not counting Absolute Carnage and King in Black. But for the portion that we read, the sixteen issues, the Colin Bunn's bit towards the middle, which we'll get more into, it's still kind of has that same tempo like you mentioned but it there's also the like you can tell it's not donnie writing it but before we get into all of that uh just to give everybody the rundown so donnie cates's venom series is just a fascinating take on the character you have uh eddie brock back in the venom suit or venom symbiote really uh gets found by the character of Rex Strickland, who was a symbiote soldier in Vietnam, uh, who then has basically recruits Eddie to go and find his fellow soldiers who have been uh, cryogenically frozen, a la Winter Soldier. Um, All of these soldiers, by the way, they had a piece of the symbiote attached them so they were all host to a part of one symbiote so which they... that symbiote is the the grendel uh dragon which they relate back to like the story of beowulf and grendel which we'll get more into but the eddie is recruited to go and find the soldiers to rescue them uh inadvertently releases the grendel and then he has to fight the Grendel. He runs into Miles Morales. Love this. Love that part. And then Eddie. I was not expecting any it's, of that. It's so great. That's the beauty of it. And there's so much backstory to that too, which I'll get into when we get to that point. Um, but then after that, you've got Eddie basically getting kidnapped by the Maker. Who I know, Jared, you've said in the past is one of your favorite I Marvel love characters. when he showed up. I always love when he shows up, and I love when he showed up for this. Um, and then after that, you know, Eddie breaks away. You find out Eddie has a younger brother, Dylan. Later find out that's not exactly the case. Uh, and then you have the little bit of the War of the Realms happens. Eddie loses the symbiote. 
and Eddie is basically now on a road trip with Dylan is more or less where we've left off at the end of, of 16, basically. Right. But that's more or less the, the rundown. In the background, you've got the resurrection of Carnage going on. Uh, and I think that's basically our rundown. So I, I say we just jump right right into it. So yes, he's sir. he still has the symbiote throughout the series. He's still Venom and has the abilities of Venom. Just uh, his, um, how did they describe it? His, uh, Venom's personality so wasn't there. The, so it was, ba- so the maker described the symbiote now as basically just a guard dog. Right. And Eddie Brock now has a lot more control over the symbiote's abilities. That's very true. Um... But it's less so, the the symbiote, towards the end, it's less attaching to him. Well, no, it does, the, the symbiote does leave at the end of... It chooses to leave. It chooses to leave at the end of 12, and then 13 through Most 15, the War of the Realms, uh, Eddie gets, like, this mystical armor that's... What the, uh, the dream, from witch. the Dreamstone from the right. Witch. And then... Oh, yeah, 16. Yeah, so he still doesn't have the the symbiote. But this is one of Gabe's favorite stories. Absolutely. Uh, I'm staring in the eyes of two of his Pops figures. And would you like to describe what else I am looking at right here? I have every, almost every single issue of Donny Cates' Venom. And I have issue one signed by the man, the myth, the legend, Donny Cates himself. Graded at an 8.5. Which bravo! I was there. You brought that with us to Comic Con yeah, last Comic-Con. year. Yep. I was so excited to get that signed. That was all. And I at that point, you and I were friends, but you and I weren't like close friends like we are now. Yeah. And so, like the entire time, you're like, I can't wait! I can't wait to do this! I can't wait to do this! I can't wait to do this! I can't. Wait to do this. I'm like, all right, great, sounds good, buddy. Way to go, sport! <laughs> it was like, yeah. I think that was. I think that was. I guess about the time that I was I was your dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was about the time that I had adopted you. And I was like, all right, waiting. Are you winning, son? That's great. Um, but, yeah. So, let's, I guess, just dive into the, the beginning of the series. Absolutely. So, everything, start to finish, I just loved the only thing I wish was done differently is I wish Stegman drew the entire thing. That's right. His I, artwork is very, very well done. I loved his artwork so much. I loved the way he drew Eddie Brock. I loved his drawing of Null, Miles Morales. It was just, it met Donny Cates' tone that he was setting throughout the entire thing. You have, like, this gloomy, dim mm-hmm. art style, and it was just so perfect. Well, what did you think about, like, the, the revelation that there were other symbiotes in the on Earth before Venom symbiote showed up. I really enjoyed that. I think I think what I love most about this series is that it goes into the backstory of Venom mm. and his kind, and you don't really get that anywhere else. Like I I don't know. Do you know of any other series where they go into so that? So there was a series in the nineties where Venom. I'll say it's Venom, Peter, and Ben Riley end up on the planet of the symbiotes. Right. Uh, which was the name of the, the storyline, was Planet of the Symbiotes. And then I think during Bendis's 
Guardians series. Which I know this is your podcast, but I'm, I'm throwing in a... I was about to say, how Bendis. did we go from Gates, uh, Kate's but to I think it's, Anthony's I think it's Bendis. Bendis's Guardian series, I believe, where uh, Flash Thompson is Venom, and he becomes, like, Venom Space Knight. And I think that also delves a bit more into his okay. alien background as well. Um, but it is the primarily the planet of the symbiotes line is what I what I really remember. But I loved the 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 fact that it goes back into mythology, yeah, and it gives the the Grendel, which I I remember as I'm reading it, I was like, oh, like shit, I remember, like I took a mythology course in high school, and I remember reading like the legend of Beowulf and like him fighting the Grendel. That's and, why I like Thor so much. Yeah, and the fact that it was like, oh, like. Beowulf existed in the Marvel yeah. Universe. Like, the Grendel was just a, a symbiote monster. It was just a symbiote dragon. And the fact that Thor makes an appearance in I, that bit was just <laughs> great. I love his dialogue where he's like, I don't know who Beowulf is, but here you go. And then he just, like, fucks Null up in one shot. Exactly. And the... I love that and the fact that then the Grendel gets buried... And then hundreds of years later, you have Rex and his boys in Vietnam, and then them getting basically Project Rebirth, or a variation of it, where they get injected with the Grendel symbiotes to then become these these Agent Venoms, basically. Like, it, it's just insane. And Nick Fury just being in the fucking background... Like, just the, the man in the shadow. I was like, of course it's Fury. Of course Fury, Fury is doing something. It's always Fury. He's always behind it. I Absolutely, loved, yeah. I love the random moments you get where Venom connects to the Hive and he just goes ape shit. When he just starts talking, like, the, the language. In the ancient tongue. Yeah. yeah. And when he starts getting the, the null symbol, it's just one of the coolest... That was one of the coolest... The, the Venom going crazy like like him going berserk i guess and rogue and and... rogue and like but like that design is just wild it's so interesting to see a vulnerable side of venom Mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah especially breaking um he was very vulnerable when brock was finally telling him, like, no, you need to go. You've been making me sick. It's been you all along. I have no sister. Yeah. My, I have no uncle that died of cancer. Well, there that, is so no disease. That takes part in the second, uh, the second arc in Donnie's story. Um, which, yeah, all right. If we're, if we're going into that, I will go into that because the, so yeah, I love, Seeing a vulnerable side of Venom, it's just not something you really get when he, you see him in like Spider-Man comics mm-hmm. or even his own series. But um, I think the one thing I love the most about this series is the build-up to Null. Oh, well, and it's interesting when you see the introduction of Null and how, and every time there's like that interaction, Eddie describes it as the Venom symbiote basically showing its belly to an alpha yeah and you don't see that with venom ever. venom is you don't alpha. see is the alpha venom does not kneel exactly 
He's the predator, not the prey. You just see him cower under Null because mm-hmm. he knows. He knows. Well, no, I love how he went into his backstory and basically described himself as the god before gods. The the cosmic aspect of it all, having Null exist before the Big Bang, and having then the story of the darkness and him the cutting abyss. off the head of a celestial... That was amazing. And, just, like, the introduction of the Necrosword, which I know, Gabe, you had pointed out reading God of Thunder, or at least the one issue of God of Thunder before this. I did not read it before this. This part. I read it previously. It was yeah. basically, um, it's what Thor, Love and Thunder mm-hmm. went into with Gore mm-hmm. and his backstory. And basically that first scene with Gore is what they took from Thor, God of Thunder. Love and Thunder. No, the... It was from the, the comic series, God yeah. of Thunder. Yeah, Gore is the one who yeah, so finds that, the Necrosword. That's like a 22-issue series, and there are a lot of... Um, there are a lot of frames from that series mm-hmm. that were put directly in Thor, Love and Thunder. Like, when they were... When they went to go see the giant god, I forget his name, but um, Gore had killed him. Right. They were in the snow. That came directly from that comic line. I love that comic book. But so, that, we're uh, not talking about that comic book. No. Um, no, but that goes but, into how the sword falls into Gore's hand right. and he becomes Gore the God Butcher. And they reference him, you know, being really pissed off that a mortal has his sword. You right. can just sense the hatred for humans. Like, Well, and I love at this point, seeing, seeing Null's background is just fantastic. Seeing the cosmic side of it all. Uh, like I mentioned, but also seeing, like, at this point in time, nothing exists, and yet he has some kind of forge that he creates the sword in. Iron Man style. Exactly. In a cave. (laughs) With a box of scraps. (laughs) I love you. Um, But that's, like, I mean, that, but that's, like, seeing that, and then him just waging war against the Celestials, because he's, like, Fuck you, turn off my lights. Like, sup, bitch. It's like, you guys are running up my, electrici- uh, my electricity bill. Fuck off and leave. <laughs> he just wants to be in darkness. Exactly. He just wants to play some emo music and just, like, chill out in the dark and just leave it at that. Alexa, play Teenagers by MCR. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, exactly. Um, but then I have to... I mean, this is, this is a Venom podcast, but you can't talk about Venom without talking about Spider-Man and... Bringing Miles Morales into it. That took me by complete surprise. And I love that it went into Eddie Brock and him being, showing what it looks like, him being trapped inside the mind Mm -hmm. of Venom. Mm -hmm. And it, it was literally just, you had Eddie Brock's point of view there. You, they were standing on the rooftop talking. Next thing you know, Eddie's in Venom and his mind is trapped. And he doesn't know what's going on. And he's like, wait, shit, I'm killing this kid. And what? he doesn't even know what's going on until Miles is already beaten to a bloody pulp. Well, and even like the beat right before that, like you had Eddie like, holy shit, like there's... You know, the, the Grendel's here. There's a dragon in the middle of New York City. And then he's like, 
you know, what else could, could go wrong? And you just see Miles coming out of the camouflage behind him about to, like, whap him in the back of the head. And I just, I, I always forget Miles has the camouflage ability. And so seeing that in play and seeing him, like, half invisible, like, coming out to hit him is one of my favorite things. Uh, it's it's easily one of my favorite just singular pages yeah. in the series. Um, so this is this is around the time Miles Morales was starting to like really take off. Mm-hmm. I think this was around 2019. Just or, about, yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit after. But so what's interesting is if you while you're reading the um, the series, he mentioned like he goes off on Eddie and he's like you know you you hurt my mom like you put my dad in the hospital all this stuff this didn't happen in on in universe 616 no this happened in the ultimate universe where a version well that's why you have the maker in it right but a version of Venom in uh, 1610 in the ultimate universe ultimate Venom goes off, goes crazy. It's not even inhabiting Eddie. I don't remember who's who it has control over. But I think actually kills Miles' mom, injures his dad, and then after that point They went into he went into that in this series. He mentions it briefly. And then uh Miles tells his dad, like, oh, I'm Spider Man and his dad like dips. Like, his dad just... Li- like, he, he then has to go out and fight Galactus. He comes back, and his dad's just packed up the entire apartment and has just abandoned him. It's wild. Wow. It's a wild chain of, of events. But then you come into Venom, and you see that Miles is attacking him, and, and when Eddie's like, I, kid, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you did. If you're saying I'm a monster, I'm not going to argue with that. I am a monster, but I did not hurt your mom. Like, I do so not were there two Venoms in that universe? So, in the Ultimate Universe, it's different because it's... Venom is, instead of an alien, I think, is a lab creation. And so, the symbiote... I didn't read all of the Ultimate Spider-Man series. But I think the symbiote disappears or gets like, captured in another, in another the- lab, and then it breaks out. And this happens while Miles is the Ultimate Spider-Man. How Null explained it, the symbiotes originated from him. That's why he calls them. Well, right. Children. So that's in that's in the six sixteen universe. So that's in in the main Marvel universe. Okay. The ultimate universe where that Miles is referring to. I just don't understand how Miles is now in our universe, referring to stuff from a different. Yeah, universe. that's where I'm a little. Lost. If you watch, because before this, Miles wasn't in our universe. So then, Mar- <clears throat> Miles came to our universe. After the events of Secret Wars, Miles comes over... The the 2015 Secret Wars. Miles then comes over to our universe. There's a few characters that come over from the Ultimate Universe because the Ultimate Universe implodes. Those characters have some recollection and some memories of the Ultimate Universe. Think Flashpoint. They have have the recollection of that universe combined with the current universe. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's the. Yeah. I never read the 2015 Secret Wars, so I didn't understand. I highly recommend that. Yeah, I, I have, have a hard copy. I'll I'll lend that to you. That is a fantastic, fantastic series. We'll have to do uh, a podcast on it sometime. Yes, and we should we should also look into the different. Uh, I you guys came over to my house uh, a month or so ago and saw my collection, and so the Battle World and the 
Battle World and or Battle Zones and something else. But those like those individual mini series all take place during the events of Secret Wars. Wow. It's massive and I only have maybe half of the series and it takes up an entire bookshelf. I think they have a event on Marvel Unlimited. Oh I believe oh yeah, yeah. In order. Yeah, so that's it's probably how insane. I would do it. Insane. Uh, but all that's to say, yes, that's how Miles then comes into our universe. And so that's why he has all these memories of, oh, you killed my mom or you hurt my mom. And Brock's like, I have no idea. It, like the like the uh, the scene in Endgame when Wanda yeah. goes to attack Thanos and he's like, I don't even know who you are. You will. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, but seeing like Miles and Eddie interact and then fighting, fighting the Grendel and Miles being like, oh, yeah, you know, I have this attack. It's the Venom Blast. Like, does it to, to Eddie. And he's like, oh, you know, that should work on the on the dragon. Oh, but how am I going to get close enough? And Eddie's like, yeet, and throws him right into the dragon's mouth. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Get eaten. That's a great idea. It was. What did you think of their use with Jack-O-Lantern? I enjoyed it. It was. I enjoyed it. It was interesting. I thought it was a weird character to use. I think there's a history between Venom and Jack-O-Lantern. Well, they even well, there were multiple Jack-O-Lanterns. Well, yeah, I think during the Agent Venom series, when it's Flash in the suit, he has some interactions with Jack-O-Lantern, too. So I think there's some kind of running... I think it's almost like he's, in a sense, like... Venom's version of Green Goblin, almost. Like, the Halloween-esque character. Okay. Um, but the fact that it's, like, it's just some random random dude. In the gear. In the gear, and he's like, oh, yeah, like, I, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, the, the king of the mountain. And then Venom shows up, and he's like, I just found this gear. Please don't kill me. And then Venom rips out his eye. Yeah, he goes he goes berserk, he goes into one of his episodes and completely beats the shit out of this dude. And that it's wild that that happens early on, so that happens even before then Venom meets Rex at that point. Yep. And then so that actually happens even before everything that we just talked about. I forgot that he saw Jack-o'-lantern at the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. That's what oh. I was saying, they built a history from the get-go. Oh yeah. And and brought him back in the end, but we will go into that. Oh, yeah. Um, and so after then, Miles uses the Venom Blast on the, uh, the dragon, and we see Null for the first time. It was so well done. He just, like, stated his dominance from the get-go. And what? he was like, this is what's going to happen. And, and it was given to him. Yeah. Stegman's art for Null which I think, Gabe, you mentioned before, is just fantastic. And I love when they start kind of somewhat fighting and Null takes on these Venom and Carnage-like characteristics. Yeah. Like the elongated jaw, the tongue, the teeth. Like, it's the version of symbiotes that we know, but creepier because it's a human. Like, it's a, a human face, almost. So well done. It, and, and such a creepy like villain. And the fact that he then gets built up 
for the King in Black series is incredible. He actually almost reminds me of uh, Batman Who Laughs visually. Okay, almost. I can like, see that. The way that. Like, the jaw and the mouth is and everything. But how he's drawn, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we already talked about Null going into his origins. And the fact that, like, the dragon is flying straight into space with Miles and Eddie, like, in his stomach. And they had to just, like, Miles had to just zap them out of that. I thought that was... That was nuts, but also... I, I kind of expected that. I feel like whenever you have a dragon scene like this, somebody's somebody's getting eaten and gotta gotta do some there kind of shit to get for their some way reason, out. When I was reading it in my brain, when they're like in the room, and like oh the room feels like it's moving, I was like that's strange. I like didn't even fully comprehend like oh they're in the dragon's stomach like they're they're moving. Yeah. Yeah. So Ryan Stegman created no. Oh. I did not know that. That is incredible. I, just confer- I was pretty sure, so I just confirmed it. He is the original artist on Null. Well, I think one of my favorite things, because we already we went into the, the whole thing with the Necrosword and everything, but the fact that just one throwaway panel and, and story from the earlier God of Thunder series, like Donnie and, and Stegman saw that they're like all right we're going to take this and we're going to loop it into the greater story for what we're doing i now. love that i i love callbacks like that and making because that's null's first appearance exactly and, and making something so minor at the time then become part of this greater story is one of my all-time favorite things that's the point I was making earlier is I love the build up to this mm-hmm. series. It reminds me so much of what they did with Thanos and the MCU. Oh yeah. So well done. They didn't rush it cuz then you have this and then you have absolute carnage which hypes him up any even more and then you get no. And then you yeah. There was oh, I was going to talk about so as we were talking about like the background of Null, the fact that when he's talking about oh, you know, after Thor zaps him and it breaks his concentration with all of the other symbiotes and how they basically rebelled against him and caged him in the planet and the line when, when Eddie's like when Null is referring to the Clintar and he's like they're Clintar and he's like what do you mean like that's their race and he's like no Clintar is their word for cage it's not a planet it's a cage like that's yep. keeping me caged that 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 made my heart drop oh, yeah. reading that and just He's thinking that wow bad. oh yeah that his people in present him i also like that rex strickland went into with eddie brock do you even know your symbiote's name do you know what temperature they prefer this that and the third and making us realize that there is so much more to these symbiotes than even Eddie Brock realizes. It's fascinating that they don't then tell you Venom's name. I would have liked to hear that. I don't know if maybe they mention it later in the series, but it's it made me think of uh, since we, we we just saw Blue Beetle a couple weeks ago, right. and it makes me think of the, the Beetle itself for the longest time in the comics. Nobody knew... Like, the, the 
heroes, the different Blue Beetles would just say the word Kajida, but they didn't know what it meant. And it wasn't until Jaime gets the, the Beetle, it's like, oh, that's the Beetle's name. So this made me think back to Blue Beetle, where it's like, oh, we're talking about the symbiote has a real name, so then what's the symbiote's real? Like, I was, I, right. I was like, all right, so what's his name? What's his... Okay, he doesn't have a name, it's just Venom. Cool. Like, I just, I would have loved to have seen a bit more and again i don't know if they do that later on in the series but if eddie could find out the answers to some of these questions i thought would be fairly interesting yeah i love the rex strickland part of that because it just it really makes you think about their relationship with the symbiotes and just how little we know do you think flash thompson i think he knew more than eddie brock i love so after after everything that happens with the the dragon, uh, and then Eddie is further fighting the null. It's not even null. It's like a, a projection of null, I guess. Um, and it's fighting him like in the warehouse with Rex and mm. burns him, destroys him, and then the Maker shows up, and how the Maker talks to Eddie and he's like oh you know I have the codex from Flash Thompson like you know he exhumed it from his body and Eddie just goes Flash Thompson's dead and I'm just like wait wait I remember seeing you in the in the issue where he dies what do you mean well the symbiote was messing with well right that's what I'm getting to but it's like what do you like when I'm reading it in the moment I was like you knew Flash was was dead. I know you knew this. There's a lot of moments in the comics revolving around this series where Venom was there, mm-hmm. but Eddie Brock was not. Right. And it's that's when you first start seeing Venom is... Sick, quote-unquote. Right. Is, like, overriding Eddie's brain and is, like, protecting him from things that would hurt him. Which I think is fascinating that the death of Flash Thompson would be something that would hurt him. Unless maybe it's something that just hurts the symbiote and the symbiote. I was thinking that itself. because they go very heavily into how Flash Thompson was the favorite. Well, and when... After Eddie breaks out of the Maker... Well, and before I even get into that point, going into the symbiote blocking out some of the memories, and you find out that, like, oh, Eddie's been captive of the maker for three weeks and had been on the run two weeks prior to that and the fact that Eddie's just five weeks of his life are just gone and you know he shows up at his dad's house he finds out uh, he apparently has a younger brother which we'll go more into (laughs) went into a whole episode wondering where his sister was what's going on and then the maker then, I just love the maker. I love the maker show. I, it's it's like, funny. Um, Gabe, uh, a while back, I asked Gabe because I was. This was when I was really getting into the maker, mm-hmm. and I asked Gabe, "What is something that I could read that goes into a really good, uh, ver- like beginning intro to the everything that the maker could." You know, give me. Mm-hmm. And he said, Venom. Donny Cates, Venom. But way back when, that was, we had already established that we were going to do an episode on it. 
I didn't want to go it. I didn't want to read it back then just to have to reread it. So reading it now and seeing the maker in it, I loved every second of it. He is such a dark and twisted and demented version of Reed Richards. And it's awesome. Well, and then we have when Eddie is like breaking out of the maker's um, lab and he eats the codex or absorbs the codex of Flash Thompson and then Thompson is now in Eddie's head and they have the the Agent Venom suit and I forgot how much I missed Agent Venom. I love that suit so I, much. I wish they'd do more with him. I understand why they don't because Eddie Brock is the main Venom. Right. But Flash Thompson as Venom was so well done. They had Flash as Agent Anti-Venom at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they refer to that. Yeah, and then I don't know when... Because I think he's alive now in the comics. I think they brought him back. Um, But, yeah, having, like, Flash then also... Like, it's a third voice in his head at this point. It's like a f***ing group chat. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is... now that I mentioned that, that's a, an interesting trend that we're seeing from the beginning of Kate's run up until this point, which is roughly issue six, I want to say, where you have, it's not just Eddie in his, in his head. And he talks about in the beginning, he's taking these antipsychotics to quiet the symbiote. Yeah. But you have, he combines with Rex, and so you've got Rex's voice in his head along with the symbiote, and then he has the codex, so it's Flash's voice up there, too. And it starts making you wonder, like, even when Eddie is in control, how much control does Eddie actually have? Because he has these other voices going on. Um, But yeah, so then he he breaks out of the the maker's lab. He's like, alright, I'm gonna go back to California, because I have to find out what is going on with my dad, what's going on with my brother. And he gets there, and... He is not welcomed at home. He is not welcomed at home. And, you know, his dad's yelling at him, and then that's when he starts talking about his sister, and the dad's like, I don't know who you're talking about. Who is Mary? There is no Mary. And his dad punching him in the face shocked me. That took me off guard. Yeah. I did not expect that. And then him just, like, then ending up in an alley and Dylan Brock showing up and being like, hey, you're you're Eddie Brock, right? We need to kill our dad. I love that part. <laughs> and I was like, I, I'm i not going to talk too much about Dylan Brock because there's a lot of points I want to make for the upcoming mm. parts that we're going to be doing to this. But I love him. I think he might, he's probably my second favorite legacy character. Miles Morales being the first. Mm, that's fine. But Eddie Brock is going to make such a great Venom one day. I, Dylan Brock. Or Dylan Brock, I'm sorry. Say that again. <laughs> Dylan Brock is going to make such a great Venom one day. I love the introduction of Dylan. And when they're sitting then in the, uh, in the diner, and he's like, you know, so I'm sure my dad said, you know, our dad said, you know, all this stuff about me. And first of all, I love that Dylan is such a Venom groupie. He's like, oh my god, like my brother's Venom. Like, holy crap. 
like, oh, but you know, you know, my my buddy said that you know Spider Man's better because he's got a moral code or whatever. But like, you protect the innocents. Like, oh, where does that come from? Like all this stuff. He has all these questions. And well, and then Eddie's like, you want to know why I protect the innocents? And then talks about being a drunk driver and killing a kid. Which I thought was crazy to see because the entire first part of the series you had him going into why his dad hates him and every time it just showed a kid in front of a car Mm -hmm. and his dad yelling Eddie Mm -hmm. and you don't know until that those panels where he's talking about what happened you're made to believe that it was Eddie getting hit by a car because there was all of these court fees there was all the hospital bills this that and the third so they made you believe it was Eddie that got hit by a car and his dad was just a piece of shit who hated Eddie for something that wasn't even his fault but his dad was very wealthy and in a very good spot in a very good corporate at a time and knew everybody in all the right places and was able to get Eddie out of this really tight situation that he was in hitting the kid with a car and it completely bankrupted his dad one of the the hardest scenes for me was when they have him in the interrogation they have Eddie in the interrogation room and they're like alright you know we're they're talking to like the cops or the sheriffs or whatever and they're like you know we can make this all go away we can get this all taken care of tomorrow in court you know whatever Eddie what are you going to say I'm guilty I I killed him I'm guilty I deserve to be punished and the sheriff's like oh you know that's gonna be a problem and his dad's like alright everybody leave the room let me have a minute with my son and it is he's like you are going to say you were innocent but I'm, Dad, I'm, I'm not innocent. I killed him. I'm a monster. I killed him. You're going to say you're... And then he starts... His dad starts beating the shit out of him. And, Slamming his head into the table. And punching him and just... It's rough. And then once he starts saying, I'm, you know, I'm innocent. And he's like, all right, keep repeating that until you go to court tomorrow. It's just, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. And it's just... It's one of the... It makes your heart skip a beat. It is one of the hardest series of panels I think I, I remember reading for a long time. Like, one of the most kind of emotional and just... I feel like it's very rare that there's a comic where it's, like, whoa, like jaw-dropping, whoa, like, I need to... And even though this is my second time reading this series... Um, it still I, gets me. It, oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, Wow. I've read this series three times, this is my third, mm. and I have felt just as much emotion all three times. I, yeah. I do. But yeah, that's kind of where Eddie Brock's morals of protecting the innocence comes from, because he wasn't able to right the wrong that he did by hitting that kid and killing him. So now he's doing everything he can now to avenge that. Well, it's heartbreaking because the the entire series up to this point, Eddie's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a monster. Like, that's just a, I'm a monster. And it stems from this. What was, I mean, Eddie was a, a drunk teenager who stole his dad's car. I mean, it doesn't excuse what happens, but he was a drunk teenager. That it 
happens. It's not right. It's not... It but we've all happen. done dumb shit as kids. Exactly. And so then having this be something that haunts him is just... Yeah, those, those panels stuck with me from when I first read them, stuck with me again after reading them this time. It's just, it's so hard to read, I think. Um, and then to, to flip it onto a, a lighter note, uh, after he then tells the story to, uh, to Dylan, he says something that takes me back to the first uh, Spider-Verse movie where then he asks Dylan if he has any money to pay for their food. Yeah. And it just made me think of Peter B. Parker with Miles going to eat and then Peter B.'s like, ah, do you have any money? He's like, oh my god, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah that's was, I read great... it and I was like, that's... That's that... a really good connection. Yeah, that was, I was like, that's really funny. Um, and it's funny because he does that same thing again in a later panel in a further issue where he asks his um somebody he's doing a job for oh yeah and because him and dylan dylan's sick or whatever and he needs soup and eddie's broke that's it is is insane how much this man goes through for fucking soup i I think every time this is that final issue i think it's one of the it's it's like the last two issues it's all revolving around the soup and well and him going into like that that office and like it's a guy who used to work as an intern at the the paper that Eddie used to work for. He's like, oh, I remember you being like a pretty pretty good guy, like you know what kind. You of helped guy? me out. You helped me out, times. and he's like, all right, yeah, you know, I need to do. He's like, you're a killer. I don't know if I want to give you work. And then the fact that like, it's revolving around like missing kids and like. And then that leads to the buildup of Absolute Carnage, which I am very excited for. We're not going to get too much into that today, though. Yeah, well, and there is, like, the little... There are some crumbs here. You see Cletus Cassidy in the the dome thing? It's in uh, issue 16, Mm -hmm. when Venom shows up, and you have the word bubbles, and it's in red, and immediately, I think, because we had the panel before with Cletus Cassidy mm-hmm. in the containment tube, He's in whatever. A, it's like a, a radiation containment Some, Something like that, and uh, I thought that whoever was talking, it was Cletus Cassidy, but no, it was Sin Eater. Right, and so Sin Eater, so going back, and they delve into it in this issue, but going mm-hmm. back, Eddie's whole thing... If you only know the Venom origin from watching Spider-Man 3, it's, oh, you know, Eddie just printed something that was... He just plagiarized uh, Peter, which isn't what happens in the comics. What happens in the comics is that Sin Eater is going on a killing spree, and Eddie gets a lead of somebody who's saying, oh, you know, I'm Sin Eater, I'm going to give you, you know, an exclusive interview, whatever... And then Eddie finds out it's the wrong guy. And then Spider-Man actually catches the actual Sin Eater, which is why Eddie hates Spider-Man. And because of this, then, uh, Eddie gets fired because he interviews the wrong guy. Right. And that's how he ends up in the church and gets the the Venom costume at that point. Um, But Sin Sin Eater now actually is having a a big part in the current Spider-Man run, I think. Uh, He recently... And by recently, I mean within the past year or so, like, absolved Norman of his sins. Like, he shoots you with a shotgun and then it absolves you of your sins or 
something. I've never been a big Sin Eater fan. Um, yeah, I haven't even heard of him before this series. But well, so seeing him pop up, and like he's the one who's actually kidnapped the children for like Carnage or for for Carnage, for right? Carnage. Yeah, it's just fascinating to see and and see like the connection with the characters and everything. Um, but right before this all happens, we have the. So there's two other points before this happens. There's the the big revelation that everything that's gone poorly in Eddie's Brock or in Eddie in Eddie's Brock in Eddie Brock's <laughs> mind is uh, some kind of creation of the Venom symbiote, like a defense mechanism, kind of exactly. Well, and an offense mechanism. So he builds in the symbiote builds in this history in eddie's mind of uh cancer runs in my family my uncle died of cancer my sister died of cancer i had cancer i was dying of cancer when i was you know about to kill myself and then the the symbiote took over and all the stuff but when really the symbiote being attached to eddie it's making him sick exactly but the symbiote doesn't want eddie to leave Little bit of little bit of abandonment issues. His father wasn't necessarily the greatest to him. No, can't imagine that home life being all too swell. <laughs> but it's the it's Venom's way of trying to make Eddie think that he's sick by natural causes, by genetics that ru- of a disease that runs in his family with his sister that died of cancer his uncle that died of cancer, when really, his sister and his uncle never even existed. Well, and it's this idea, like, every time Eddie is separated from Venom, Eddie is sick. Eddie is dying, Eddie's re-diagnosed with cancer, and all of this. This is how he ends up getting the anti-Venom suit uh, during Spider-Man Brand New Day, is because he's dying of cancer. He touches Mr. Negative, and Mr. Negative basically warps what's left of Venom in Eddie to turn him into anti-Venom. Which that costume is incredible. But the fact that the symbiote is making Eddie sick, is messing with, is essentially gaslighting Eddie. And, you know, messing with his memories, messing with his feelings, messing with all of this. And it establishes after Venom connects with, um like Null's hive mind. He's he's like, "Oh, do you want me to change your brain chemicals so you can't I love that feel part. like you can't feel the pain or you don't remember this or you know, do you want me and Eddie's like, "Since when could you do that?" And it's like, "I can do a lot of things." Now that he's connected to the hive, there's so much. I think that's great. I can make you not afraid if you want to. Well, and it's the fact that Eddie and Venom has Venom itself has always been a story about addiction. Because it's an addiction to this power, it's an, an addiction to uh, almost essentially this drug, this venom, to give him the power that he didn't have before, to make him stronger, to make him, you know, all of these things. And there's that level of addiction where he essentially goes through withdrawal when he doesn't have the suit, when he doesn't have the symbiote. And then also just the the manipulative relationship where they were, there was the symbiosis where they were living off of each other. And then the the fact that 
Venom's essentially a parasite and is using Eddie to survive. And it's this manipulative and essentially abusive relationship where Venom's just twisting everything that Eddie just won't leave him. And it's just so fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, truly. And you want to talk about like the, the abandonment issues of Venom. Let's not forget that Venom's first uh, real like host, not counting Deadpool and Back in Black, um, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Spider-Man drops him at church and then dips. Like, he, Venom thought he was having this symbiosis, this relationship, and Peter just dumped him like any old ex and went on, and so that's why Venom's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to let Eddie leave me. And then Eddie does eventually leave him, and then, I mean, Venom's been with Peter, he's been with Eddie, he's been with um, Eddie's Flash. girlfriend, uh, he's been with Flash, um, she, she Venom, she was also in the movie, I can't think of what her name is, um, Venom's been with uh-huh. Matt Gargan with the, what was that? Anne? Anne, yeah, yeah, Anne, the one who's, uh... Dylan's so, mother. Yeah, we, we skipped over this part, yeah, Dylan's not, uh, Eddie's brother, he's actually Eddie's son. Have you read Venom Beyond yet? Not yet. Okay. I was waiting for this upcoming, I'm trying to get my hands on Venom Island. I want Venom Island. You want to own it? Or I want to own it. Um, I want to read it, but I want to own it. I am a collector, sir. Venom Island is the best part of Absolute Carnage. I just, I, I can't I wait will... to... Now, I have a question for you, Jared, over there flailing your arms. He's you... mimicking... We, we have a, a guest in the studio uh, who is my beloved girlfriend, Emily. Uh, today is the day after our eight-year anniversary, so I will plug us... Um, You're going to plug what? Huh. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, but, yeah, no, he was mimicking Emily in the background of our basement studio here. Ah. That's why he was flailing. What's your question? Now, you read Absolute Carnage before you read this. I read Absolute Carnage maybe a year ago, I want to say I read it. How much do you appreciate the build-up to it? I... Now, I really wish that I read this first. Obviously, it's the series that came before. Because reading Absolute Carnage... Before this, I... I knew that Dylan wasn't Eddie's brother. I knew that Venom was sick. That's all I talked about. And that there there was all of this build-up from Noel. And... I I just really wish that I read this Venom first. Reading it as a whole. See, now, here's the here's the good thing, though. You're going to read Venom Beyond, and then you're going to, like, the rest of that. And that's all going to lead to King and Black, which is... All future episodes for you guys. By far much better than the Absolute Carnage arc. But I, I do want to point out, because I, I read Absolute Carnage... After I read Venom, initially. And one of the things I love about Marvel, and one of the things I love about comics is that it's... And I've I've mentioned this before about the tapestry of the comics. And so you could read, like, Jared, when you read Absolute Carnage by itself, did you enjoy that by itself? I loved Absolute Carnage. And before, you know, Gabe, you and I, before we read Absolute Carnage, before it came out, we both clearly loved the Venom series. 
so much. And I just, I love, man, I just love comics, dude. Yeah. I love that you can read these bits and you can enjoy the, the story itself and then you can read more and you're just filling in the gaps of the universe. And I just, I love comics, dude. Um, what I what I was going to say uh, after Jared pointed out that Anne was the, the she-venom, uh, was, I don't know if you guys realized, Matt Gargan, Scorpion, had the Venom symbiote at one time as well. They yeah. went into that with Absolute Carnage because he, a little spoiler for a future episode, guys, him and Miles Morales were fighting side right. by side. And well, that's when they were ripping people's spines out. Right. right. Spoiler. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's just always one of my favorite things was when Mac was, uh, was Venom. Um, but I think at this point, the only things we haven't really touched on are, uh, were the realms, which I know Gabe, you and I have talked about it. You weren't too crazy about those three issues. The art style was such a hard transition. And I think that's what really took me away, but I really enjoyed the dark elves. (laughs) Did you? Yeah. I like dark elves. Apparently so. It's all you've been talking about the last three days. It's all days. I've been defending the last three fucking days. <laughs> I, I enjoyed parts of War of the Realms, because th- at least this tie-in for it. Because I loved seeing the Asgardian mythological take on Venom. Yeah, I really like the design, the character design for it. When Eddie Brock is a fucking Viking, I like thought the was gladiator. That, I was like, that is incredible. That I was like, I want to play Skyrim. Like this is so cool. <laughs> that armor reminded me severely of the tenth metal that they were wearing in Dark Knight's From metal. Batman. Oh, in Batman. Yeah. That's all I was seeing when I was reading that. Go check out the episode Batman Who Laughs. You'll that understand is, what I'm that, talking you know, about. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That is great. That's yeah, all I, I was thinking about when I saw that. Either. I loved... Well, I'm going back because we were talking about Jack-O-Lantern a little bit ago. Like, the fact that he also gets the kind of power-up. He got an well. upgrade. And then afterwards, when Venom, when Eddie just beats him up, and it's like, I didn't mean to do this. I was just given this power. And you get a real good look at what you were talking about earlier about jack-o'-lantern kind of just being venom's green goblin Mm -hmm. because he he has a glider yeah and he has the look of a green goblin except he's got the pumpkin on his head and he breathes fire but when i think what's fascinating to see in in the war of the realms series now they they tell you or the times is they tell you like you know it's Eddie's being taken over by this dreamstone. And it's, you know, he's supposed to be this weapon for Malekith and everything. But he keeps saying, like, there are moments where it's just kill, 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 kill. And he's like, this isn't the symbiote, this is me. And it made me question, like, is this him or is this, like, Malekith's influence through the dreamstone? Right. Because you never really know when Eddie kind of has, like, psychotic breaks, if it's him or if it's the symbiote. Well, he's also he also went into the fact that all of the power that he's working off of right now is based solely off of his anger. Right. So I'm wondering if that might just be an emo- the emotional aspect of him with the anger. I'm so angry, I want to kill, 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 kill. Or if it's the symbiote. It's just so interesting to see him question himself. And try and understand that, like, it's the same. What's going on with his head? Yeah. 
Well, I, I said this before we started recording, but Donnie's series, at least this part, like these 16 issues, feels more like an Eddie Brock story than a Venom story. Like, he spends a significant amount of time outside of the symbiote. Because Venom's not there, and even if Eddie Brock is Venom, you have... Again, Venom has no personality at this point. He's basically, as the maker claimed, a guard dog. So, Venom is Eddie Brock, and you have Eddie Brock talking as Venom, not Venom talking when he's in the whole... Right, but it's like it's always just fascinating to me because in a number of other Venom series, you see Eddie or you see Flash outside of the suit, but it's mainly in the suit doing the superheroing thing, and this is primarily about like Eddie's history and Eddie's relationships, and and it's about Eddie. It's about Eddie's origin story, not Venom's. Exactly. It's about Eddie's character over the symbiote, which I thought was fascinating. And they even still were able to include a nice origin story for Venom. Right. Um, I think at that point, I think we've hit all the points I want to say. Anything from you gentlemen? Anything you want to add on your favorite episode, Gabe? The only other thing I really want to talk about is Dylan Brock, but we're going to get into that. I feel like we're going to go a lot more into Dylan Brock for absolute That's why I think I'm going to hold off. There is something that I wanted to say somewhat about Dylan, but also about Eddie, is going backwards and talking about their dad. And so after Eddie Eddie takes Dylan and, you know, they're, they're... running away or whatever and eddie gets very sick dylan takes him to the hospital the maker is then you know trying to cut into him and everything else and their dad shows up yeah and he you know he takes dylan along with him and he's like you know i i'm sorry it's every it's every interaction i feel like you always see between a father and their son when the father is abusive I'm sorry I did that, but you're difficult. Like, turning it back on the child. And then Dylan's still arguing with him, and he goes to hit Dylan. And this, and you're led to believe it's Eddie, but the symbiote shows up. Stops the car. Takes, I think his name's Carl. Yeah. Take, like, goes into Carl's brain, and he's like, you're not going to touch my kid. You're not going to do anything. And... You know, I'm taking my kid, and you will never see us again. We'll leave you alive, but you will never see us again. Then they just drop him in the middle of the desert, and that's the point when Venom then just dips. Um, But the entire time, I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, like, this is Eddie talking to his dad, and then you later find out it's actually the symbiote. I love that interaction that you had when Eddie confronted his dad and said, I know that this is my son, and he is not my brother. And that that just hit me. Like, the I know, I thought was so intense. I know, you've been a piece of shit, you treated my kid the same way you treated me, and that's not gonna happen anymore. And I'm gonna do everything in my power to get that goddamn can of soup. I'm gonna I'm gonna also point out just one one other bit 
because I, I thought about it. Uh, I thought about it when I read it, and then I forgot about it, and I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, but that, and I'm sure they go into it further, and so if this is a spoiler, then Gabe, you can throw some of that at me to, to shut me up. Uh, but the fact that Dylan technically is Anne's and Venom's baby. All right, Gabe, you want to you wanna give your rating since this, this is your episode? Um, I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. It would have gotten a perfect score if Ryan Stegman had drawn the entire thing. Okay. That's fair. I think I'm going to give it the same as your CGC rating of 8.5. That's a fair rating. I think I think that's right. I, I loved it. I loved the fact that it was an Eddie Rock story, and you see the emotional bits. You see more of his background. You see all the rest. I don't think I really have any... I, Truly, I give it a nine, but I just wanted to, to give give you another shout out for your CGC. Um, but yeah, man, I just I love great series, great series, great great series. I uh, I think I'm right there with Anthony at an eight point five. Um, I definitely would be higher, honestly, if I didn't read Absolute Carnage first. Mm-hmm. Having those spoilers. And reading this, it just didn't hit me as much as it would have. But overall, an amazing story. I love how they went into the history of the uh, mental and physical abuse that Eddie endured. And then it went on to his son. And you had that twist of finding out that he has a son and it's not his brother. And this back and forth. conflict that you have between Venom and Eddie and finding out that Venom is actually making Eddie sick. I loved that. And again, we got the maker in this and anything with the maker is just going to make the story overall even better. I think the the other thing that brought down some of the points for me was the fact that we had the War War of the Realms tie-in. I think when you have some of these events that have nothing to do with the overall story. Okay. They they have some bits in there. I mean, Dylan is just left in a bunker. Um, and you have some, like, story bits in there, but it's not written by Kate. It's written solely for the tie-in. And it's when just you have side these, story. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And when you have these, like, these events, I do have to say, at this point, I get kind of, like, an event fatigue from, from the big two, from DC and Marvel. And the fact that you have these events that then interrupt the main story and pull you out of it. In this case, it pulls you out of the main story and it pulls you away from the main writer and the main artist. And that then hurts the story overall, in my opinion. Uh, you see it with a number of different uh, a number of different events and tie-ins where it's not just, okay, you know, War of the Realms Venom number one to three has nothing to do with the main story. Like, no, it's taking place in this story. And I think that does sometimes tend to hurt uh, story when you have like an ongoing. Yeah. Um, right. Otherwise, it, for the Donny Cates bits, you get a nine or a nine point five. Um, the the Cullen Bond, who I, I love, I love his work, but you do he gets an eight point five for me. I think. Okay. But um, yeah, going back into my rating, the um, the only my only real issue that I had with the maker. Mm-hmm. Is that there wasn't more of him? I'm hoping that we're going to be seeing more. Of him. Um, just just wait. <laughs> I I know we get a good bit of him in Absolute Carnage, and really, 
No, you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna stop right here because I'm a I'm gonna spoil everything we're gonna talk about. Don't you dare! I can't. I have a variant cover with the maker. Would you like to see it? I would indeed like to see it. But while he's pulling that out and cock teasing you guys before we get video up and running, oh, I have two. Uh, thank this you. This is a family friendly show. goddammit. it! Put your wiener away. <laughs> uh. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. <laughs> Join us again in two weeks where we will be discussing our next issue. And as a reminder, you can now find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Anything you listen to your podcast on, we are there. We are. We have invaded the multiverse of podcasts. Yeah, he's everything. All right, but thanks, guys. Later. Later, guys.